This is how I know no reckless fan ever actually either watched his game or understood it, one of the two. Because if you think his game, the guy who played ADC like he did, the most selfish ADC maybe ever in European League of Legends, you think is going to be an awesome, listen to the name of the role, support player. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Side Select Post Worlds 2023 League of Legends. Beautiful stuff. It just wrapped up yesterday as a recording. I don't know when this will be out. Depends how lazy Rich is feeling, but uh, it's it's all it's hot off the press. It's all fresh in our veins. Faker claiming his fourth World Championship. Ridiculous stuff. Insane legacy there. And of course, we'll be talking a bit about that and some other things in today's episode but to get started of course before you go on to the boring esports things i have a more important question to ask both of you lovely gentlemen rich and thorin so whenever world is going on what happens in my head is i think about just how long people are on the road making these shows happen right because it's it's almost like two months maybe even more when you consider in like uh play-ins the setup and stuff like that not necessarily talent-wise, because they rotate people through play-ins and then the main stage and stuff like that. But people who actually work the event and fix the event and make make it happen, they're there for so long. It's absolutely insane. Imagine having to be working for like, you know, a fifth of the year out in a foreign country. For Riot Games, so just... no less. For Riot Games, the, the greatest company on earth. I'm sure that makes it easier. That's what you're getting at, Rich. I was just curious, do you guys have, like, uh, an example of a foreign food that you've had to eat when you were on the road, doing, like, a road show or something like that, or for you, Rich, you know, if there was, like, a tournament going on and you were there for some, some time or whatever, that actually you thought, you know what, this has become my comfort food. Because we all have comfort foods at home, you know? And then when you're out in a foreign country, you don't know the cuisine very well, you can either revert to McDonald's, okay. I guess, okay. or you find something you're like, yeah, I like that. I'll give it. There needs example. to be something local to the place you are, though. I, well, not necessarily, actually, not necessarily. Okay. Just anything that you kind of something use that's safe, as something that's safe country. in a foreign country, basically. Yeah, okay. I guess something okay. that you took a shine to okay. in a foreign. I've got a good country. one for you. I've got a good. You're gonna this like this. This feels Foxtrop like I, it, like we're on the same wavelength here. I've read your mind, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna nail all the check marks <laughs> of exactly okay. where you'd want to be. So here's the thing, right? Because actually, funnily enough, this connects to what you were saying with the setup, which is I actually have been in the scenario you're talking about, Foxtrop, which is no one gonna think of this. But when I did the first season of E League in Counter Strike, I actually had to go to Atlanta in America for something like, I think it was about two months or a month and a half or something, mate, because it, we only used to do something like two or three days a week and only one was like a TV day and the other were like online days or something. And so it was, like I said, it's quite comparable. And when I was there, this is why you've nailed the question because actually I did do like you're talking about it because I'm off in Burgerland. And the problem with that is anyone who's been to America for more than two weeks knows the first two weeks are awesome because yeah, massive portions, you're just getting all the Ridiculous MSG all over everything, mm. infinite sugar in all the sauces. Yeah, that's right, Americans. You're not actually making great food, you morons. These are just chemical hacks to make your brain go, that's delicious. And so normally when you first go, you, you actually think it's pretty cool. I like this. But after after a certain point in time, obviously after a few weeks, you have to eat normal food again, don't you? So what I found my go-to was if I ever was like too tired to cook some food or buy like real food, was what I would do is this fox shop. This is the hack. I figured out 
Well, there's zero chance on any app there's going to be any British food, right? There's nothing that will be, like, comfort food. Like, we're talking about, I can't get, like, bangs and mashes when it can happen in America, right? And if you don't know, like, this might sound a bit weird, but, like, even their potatoes are, like, a bit different and stuff. So it's not as simple as you can just go and make your own. So what I found the hack was this. I would type on the app poutine, which is that shit they have in Montreal that people don't know. I would find one, and I would find one that had, like, options, and I would just take out those cheese curds. There's the hack. It's just gravy and chips. Brown (laughs) gravy. They don't even have that in America. Plus chips. I would get a a portion of gravy and chips delivered to me. And that's how you know, one, where I'm from in the UK, and then, two, there's my comfort (laughs) food hack. Even though, by the way, I'm pretty sure whoever was making them was just thinking, like, so why do I take out the grains? That's, like, an essential part of the poutine. I don't like the cheese curds thing. It sounds disgusting, cheese curds. It does sound hideous. Poutine is one of those things that Canadians swear by. It's chips plus, like, mac and cheese level of, like, cheese stuff. And then gravy on top that you'd have on your roast dinner. I'm like, fuck that. That does not sound... Uh, I mean, that is... is... I'm just going to say it, Florian. That is... out there, that is off. There. You're yeah, off there. with that, to be fair. But yeah, I was gonna say that is the most normal thing I've heard in my life, and you, you even said it yourself. But fair enough. I mean, it comes food's comfort food. You can't go wrong with it. There you go. What about you, Rich? What reminded you of uh, cold spring evenings in the uh, Swiss Alps? So actually, the one that first comes to mind isn't going abroad, but when particularly like when I used to compete, like back in the day, for people that don't know, but like in the UK and like we have fuck all events, you basically had Epic, a, a land called Epic Land and iSeries. Those were like That's the it, two yeah. big ones. And now like, if you're like, oh, I've been to iSeries, it's not like, yeah, well, it's just a fucking convention now, isn't it? They don't even have yes. real, real tournaments. But back in the yes. day, they did have real tournaments. And when I used to go and play, there used to be this pizza place. This is going to sound a bit counterintuitive because everyone knew if you had this pizza, you were very likely going to get sick. But it was so good. It tasted oh, fucking unreal. It it's, and every, it's just like mad Faustian bargain. You every single time. <laughs> How good could it be? Though? Yeah, but this is the thing. So it was so good that I had to have it. But... I would never, I would only have it during groups because I knew if I got sick or a bad stomach during groups, it was fine. We'd still coast through anyway. He's actually planning if it makes him sick. That's the maddest part about this equation. Exactly. And it's one of those fast acting, like it would either just go straight through your system or it wouldn't, right? So I know if I have it first day, second day of groups, I'm good. But if we're out of groups and it's like bracket play, I can't I can't have it. It's too risky. I can't be on stage or something with that. So yeah, I can't remember what the pizza place is called. It was something that's like pa- Papa's Did it actually pizza. Or... Like, was it yeah, really no, like it was routinely regular. Yeah, no, seriously, it was actually right. And it wasn't just like the whenever I went, I remember I went with a mixed team once, um, and I had to tell them all individually, like, by the way, this pizza, just so you know, don't ha-. and then like, but what are you doing? You're having it. I was like, Yeah, but it's groups. I'm like, oh, okay. But seriously, every single person, almost without fail, it would just go straight through their system. It was just, yeah. Um, so that comes to mind. The other thing is, whenever I'm abroad, I love to go and have, well, I don't usually have McDonald's, but I'll always get Fanta from McDonald's because yeah. it's one of those drinks which is just different everywhere you have it. And if you go to like okay. Mexico or Spain or whatever, it's like this super like intense orange color and it's like almost oh, syrupy. Right. Yeah, it's completely okay. different. Um, but if you go like 
I don't know, Greece or something like that. It's much more like yellow. It's almost like Orangina. It's like com so not, completely People different. don't know. It's not a meme that if you go like to anywhere that uses the fountain thing where it comes as the powder or whatever, and then it goes out. I do know that supposedly those machines have like settings on them. And like, basically, it's not a meme. It is different from if you get in a can because yeah. basically like different places can change the settings, like how syrupy it is or whatever. So apparently that is true. Like that's not just like some like, it's not, you know, people think that's just because your brain thinks because it's in a cup or whatever. Like apparently that is different. But also, I remember when I went to a LAN in Sweden and um, there was a McDonald's down the street and it had it was just had one of those classics like, oh, you get a refillable cup or whatever. And it's one of those things where you, you know, you put it on, push it on Coke or whatever it says. And then halfway through, it just starts turning white. And you're like, well, it's not actually Coke, is it? It's just okay. it's just like whatever their mixture is with a soda pipe and the pipe two pipes go into each other. But when it runs out of the brown stuff all right right it yeah. just puts in pure soda water so those machines do not have proper coking because it happens right. every time if you get one near the end of the tap it will just go white and turn into soda water so i don't know what they're right. putting in there but that's a that's a scam and a half but yeah so uh papa's pizza or whatever the fuck it was called back in the day at the, the early is, it actually does make me think without doing a whole digression because in a few years ago this could have been a dodgy topic but put it this way it does make me think there is some like mystery to how like whatever the immune system or how your body works because you know like the famous concept of like uh i don't know if people know this but like i guess the western version that everyone knows is like sourdough bread basically if you ever look into that thing of like how they make like the best ramen and stuff in japan spoiler it's like that they just actually have the original stock rich from like 20 years ago yeah. and they're still putting a little bit of that into it and that's sort of like what's bringing the flavor now the problem with that as you would know is that would almost immediately in any way like in the uk that would be like health and safety immediately you shut down like that's probably even illegal but the reason why i feel like there must be some weird thing where like there is sort of like a logic to why that makes it better is because all i'll tell you is this rich this is not even a joke the main my favorite chinese restaurant in the in the town i used to live in for a long time probably got like temporary only temporarily closed down three times for like health and safety issues but i still kept going back because it was just the best rich so yeah. even if i mean somehow they weren't observing basic hygiene or whatever it was good all i'm going to tell you is whatever they were doing was amazing like even though my brain like we're talking right here like i knew i probably shouldn't go like essentially the government's saying like that they shouldn't be allowed to serve you food but it's just too good so i it's too Moorish. I had to keep Mate, going. If, there's, if there are cockroaches in the kitchen, it doesn't mean they're in your sandwich, you know? So, hey, there you go. Yeah. Okay. That's probably what he would say. Exactly. Yeah, all good. They're, on, they're scattering around the floor. It's where they should be. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. True. I see, this, this was a question about comfort food, and it's turned into really disgusting. What's yours then? Eat. Come on. What was yours that sparked Mine, this question? I am not quite as Mr. Worldwide as both of you are. Um, but my comfort food, I remember when I would spend. It was it was with the EU Masters in Leicester, right? So when when uh, e, um, ESL was still still doing it. Oh sure. So I was oh, basically I would still be in a hotel in an unfamiliar place for, you know, like probably up probably like up to a month, like three to four weeks or something. Um, yeah, and my comfort food, my go-to was in the morning. I would, gosh, this is going back some time, but I think it was. I can't remember what the place was called. Kokoro. Yes, it was called Kokoro. It's a, um, I don't know, is it Japanese? I don't know, something like that. Now, I, I, this is back before the spread of things like boba tea and chicken katsu curry and teriyaki okay. was all really popular. And you can actually okay. get these quite, quite easily nowadays in fast food places. Um, you get these pots 
right? And you can either have noodles or rice, and then you have chicken on top, and then they do teriyaki sauce or katsu katsu curry okay. sauce. And me, who's never experienced any of them, I didn't really wasn't very comfortable not being in my own like, you know, my own like safe home area, or whatever. So it was very playing it very safe. I always got teriyaki chicken and rice, and every single day, like on the walk to the studio, we'd go through the town center. And I just get one every single day without fail. Uh, and honestly, it wasn't, it was good. It was good. And that became like, and because it's, because it's yeah. like, I don't, I don't know if your brains work the way my brain does, but I need to have like a hot meal at least once a day okay. in order to feel like I've eaten properly. I don't know. Like I couldn't just have like sandwiches. Like if, even if I got the same calorie intake and the nutrients and whatever, but if it was all from like, you know, bread and sandwiches or this and that and that or like picking food and snacks and stuff like it wouldn't I wouldn't feel I would feel like unwell. You know, like did the people recognize you if you're going every day? Did they start recognizing you? Was it like the same? I don't people? think so. I mean, they're uh, all Asian behind the counters. So they probably thought I was. <laughs> well, well, then. Yeah. yeah. yeah but, <laughs> so, you know, I we're mean, having that conversation. Before. I, I have this really weird thing where I cannot go somewhere so many times or i can but it has to be spaced out to the point where people can recognize me You're i find it so yeah it's so weird i hate it i hate it like if so <laughs> in fact i there was this corner uh this tesco's express when i was at a university that was on like the corner of like my student housing and i'd go in there all the time because it's just fast easy whatever grab a drink whatever it is and this fucking guy made a point every time of letting me know that you know he knows who it was like oh yeah. and i was like oh i can't go here anymore brilliant well done mate i have to walk yeah i have to walk down the fucking road and go to big tesco don't i jesus christ i hate it so I, I hate that so much so when uh, nah once a week max and then hopefully someone else is on shift as well you know by the way though shout out to esl for having like that base in leicester though because the best mm. thing about it was when all americans would go to the event and they were all like i'm over there in leicester and you're like yeah, oh, leicester. Fucking... <laughs> you still yeah. doing that? Look, they can't they can never see it right guys i'm telling yeah. you leicester it's, it's still doing that now it's it's that is that. terrible and birmingham is a good i one love as it well. i love it <laughs> Right, so let's talk about some esports, shall we? Let's uh, let's move on because it, it was it was world it was world's time just wrapped up yesterday and uh, very exciting stuff actually. T1 absolutely dismantled Weibo in the finals, three games to zero. Um, according to statistics, it was the most watched esports event of all time. Apparently, that's what they say. Um, so yeah, really cool stuff. And obviously, Faker Games fourth world title is absolutely ridiculous. Um, when he burst onto the scene in 2013 as the young gun, not quite the young gun anymore, but still, still got it up his sleeve and uh, making it work. Um, firstly, I want to talk to you a bit about get your thoughts on the world finals. And uh, the specific question is, do you think anyone can match Faker's legacy? And I'm going to extend it not just in League of Legends, but any esports, really, like a 10 year career winning the world's championships as much as he has and being at the top of his game for that long who would you put alongside him if you would put anyone alongside him uh rich what are your thoughts talk to me so i do i've never like because i know that um uh, he can obviously correct me if i'm wrong but i know that thorin's always thought that maybe the goat debate in league was a little bit closer than loads of people make it out to be like fakers just on this mount olympus by his own and everyone else's shit basically like by comparison i've always like semi subscribed to that view like i do think it's closer than most people make out but i have always had faker as like 
still like fairly clearly the goat for me. I do think this year specifically and how it went makes it so difficult for any. Well, I'll put it this way: I don't think there's a a player playing today that can eclipse him. I think like depending on how long league goes on for, like who knows if it went on for a really long time. I do think his his legacy is catchable. I don't think the numbers or like the amount of titles wherever it is are as bonkers as some people make out. Um, so I do think in theory, from that standpoint, it's catchable. I think the problem with anyone in this era, like a knight or whoever being able to catch him is that this year specifically kind of does make it fucking hard for people like knight and rookie because of how the year happened. Like it was, ba it reminds me of like, Ali, like, in his prime, like, no one ever touched him, so we didn't even know that he had a chin or not, right? And then when he came back and he was slower and he was still winning and still insane, but he was winning differently because it's like, oh, shit, actually gets clocked in the face by fucking Foreman a hundred times, he's still going, or Frazier or whoever. It's like, fuck, he has a chin as well. And I feel like that's kind of how it is with um, Faker. It's like, he started out as this mechanical god who was levels above everyone else at the time. You do have to not deduct points, but obviously... The more in its infancy a game is, like, the less surprising that is. Like, I think it'd be impossible to have a season three faker now in terms of, like, the gulf between him and the next guy in terms of mechanical ability. But he has that under his belt. He has the being the best player in the world in 2015, 2017 under his belt. And now he's clearly not the best individual player in the world, even, you know, after this world title or whatever. Like, he's not. He's just not as a player. But he's shown such a ridiculous level of intangibles for lack of a better phrase or they're not even really intangible are they basically we've seen t1 with and without faker and what he brings to the team especially from a macro perspective because people talk about like zeus and kiria like shitting the bed without faker that was like not just individually like all oh, their hands fell off the keyboard like their macro decision making without faker when he was gone was horrendous and we even got little um clips i don't know if you guys saw that video that like jack did from like behind the scenes the world's thing where it had like some of Faker's comms and stuff where he's like talking about that, how he's going to make oh, this, yes. this play yeah. on ruler and owners like, I don't know what we can do. We can't go in. And Faker's like, I'm going to look for the angle. I think we can go. And it's just like, yeah, it's a tiny snippet in a vacuum, but I do think that Faker has shown that he brings such ludicrous value to a group of players outside of his own individual performance to have that culminate in winning worlds at the end of it when you weren't favored to win before I, I it's so hard to catch man like knight would have to go on a team which didn't have like all the best players in the world and do something absolutely bonkers and then rack up some titles i'm not one of these people who thinks oh you have to like brady's the goat of the nfl because he's got the most super bowls it's like no if you have a, right. a 12 year career and you are consistently better at quarterback you can be the goat in my opinion like you don't have okay. to win but um, yeah, I think so. Fakers like titles don't mean he's the goat, but I do think the way he's shown how impactful he is this year is huge for the goat debate. I think that's absolutely massive because before this year, a lot of it would just be like uh, conjecture, basically. Like we think he's really smart, and there is a lot of evidence for it, but we don't really know. Like I think we've seen the true impact of that. So I'm gonna go so far as to say there's not a player playing League of Legends today that can catch Faker, but that doesn't mean he can't be caught realistically obviously anything's possible but mm -hmm. i think considering if, you, if if what you're saying is true and there's not a player playing today then someone new would have to come in soon to have like a 10 plus year career to match faker to be honest and i don't know if the legends will be around for that long but 
Okay, let's yeah. What do you think, Rich? Uh, Thorin, do you think the same thing or? To tag on the part that you said at the end there, Rich, the key thing for me is I do think the issue goes like how you define like what makes you the best. Like the Brady example is a good one. Like if there really are people who just think it's rings, and by the way, I would actually say that is a more popular take today than it ever even was even five years ago. Because if you ever see like Twitter, for example, Twitter is way worse than esports and sports. Like it really is a bunch of people, unironically, who are like 19 today arguing about like how good Michael Jordan was in the 90s. And they're just using stats. And so for real, they're their logic is like LeBron could only be better than Michael Jordan when he literally just does all the same things, like win six titles, six fans of it. Whereas to me, that's just boring. Like, like at that point in time, all you're doing is just saying like this arbitrary number. Once you reach that, you win as well. And the reason why that's weird to me is because like, aren't we all watching them play the game now? Just tell me based on watching them, who do you think plays better? Like at the end of the day, like even if LeBron had the same trophies, surely when I watch him play the game, I would have decisions and judgments about how he's playing and whether I think that's like more effective less effective is he actually doing the right thing is he failing you know to me the stats part can never explain that's just like i think that's just like the way you explain it in like a sentence for someone who doesn't watch the sport for example like if someone said to you rich like i don't follow american football so why is tom brady the goat you would start with things like championship where he has the most rings ever yeah like but the point is like to an expert that would almost immediately be the thing out of the conversation so what i would say is this the main thing here is you've obviously defined it as like legacy not just like was there ever anyone as good as him i know you have specifically said that so like basically as you as you pointed out i never say it's about the goat in terms of a legacy because the key thing for me is i just talk about like body of work like how did they individually play the game that they loaded up every day so the example in light of what you're saying if people don't know is i often say i actually think if we take the nameplates off and ignore leaguepedia like what your championships are if i just watch all the vods i actually think rookie is the best player i've ever seen play league of legends i think he's just had too many years where he was insanely good i do think they also i watched the lpl for the whole time basically and the lpl got competitive a long time before people know like you can even go back to like season six and season seven it's still really strong at the top there like the team's competing for worlds every year it's really tough it's not that easy so i actually do think for me he's actually the best player to play league of legends but if you talk about legacy i'm assuming you are taking into account things like you have to have a certain trophy cabinet you have to have a certain amount of even presence like the problem someone like rookie has is he hasn't even been to that many worlds he's been what three i think he's only been to three in his whole career and he only got to win one of them so the answer to this question if i take it on the grounds I think Rich was setting, which is you've not, it's not only you've got to play amazing League of Legends, you've also got to get some of the, the check boxes as it were. Because the real issue, this is what I even said about Faker after he won the third world championship back in 2016. The real reason why no one on paper can catch him is because he actually, at that point in his career, had both. He did also have the eye test of the best player ever to like 2016, 2017, and then he'd won almost as many as you can ever win of championships. Like, dude, he didn't even just win worlds. People forget this, right? If you ever hear any one they don't make it anymore by the way and th- thank god he won this one so we never have to hear it again you know the pleb fan that would go but faker never won a world without bengi it's like <sighs> one that doesn't matter anymore and two i always say this yeah he won fucking plenty of msi without him though they never mentioned that by the way dude they don't remember that he won with the fucking tom guy or blank or somebody i think it was blank played one and one he won one with peanuts so you know he has all the worlds he had msis he's got 
like an impossible amount of domestic championships that people don't know. I forget even how many. I think he's got something like 10 domestic championships, yeah. something insane like that. So the point is, basically, if you're making a checkbox and it includes accomplishments, Faker's number one already. Like, the real joke is, like, he didn't even need this last, like, what, six, seven years of his career. He'd already actually got so many insane accomplishments. He already basically couldn't be caught. So I do agree. If you look at, like, the last few years of LCK titles and now plus another Worlds, yeah, no one's resume can probably ever match that because think about it, Rich. Even people who've already won one Worlds need to get three more if we're doing that logic. Or... If we make it like there's a bit of wiggle room, like you say, like it doesn't have to be exact. You don't have to get exactly the amount of rings. The problem is, though, you still need more. And there's not many people, remember, have even won two worlds. So actually, I've made a little short list for you. There's two groups of people here, Rich. Right, I'm just going to do it in league, basically. But I can give you a very quick answer for a bigger one. If we're doing it in league, the problem is you either have to be so good that you could win all these championships. So I'll do two groups, but I'll make the second one, actually, the one I'll say first. By the way, Knight and Chovy are the most obvious examples in terms of, like, it's possible because of how good they are today. They're basically the best players, if you don't know, that they could, obviously win everything from here on out. They could just win the next three worlds in a row each. They could win all the domestic titles, MVP. So in that way, they could do it. Like, they have the capability. But the problem is, you notice I've picked two players now that have never won a world. Like, Knights won an MSI, that's it. So the problem is, they've got a couple of domestic titles, but they've got so much work to do on the world stage. Because, like I say, they don't have to win four, but you're probably going to have to win a couple. If you want people who take trophies account, you're going to have to get a couple of worlds in your back and maybe another MSI or two. So, like, it's possible they could do it, but it's still going to be very hard. Then the other group has four names in it. These are just people who have some of the accomplishments. The problem is they'd have to get a bunch more before their career ends. So, like, the irony is the guy who faced him in the final yesterday, Zhao Hu's actually on there. He's got three MSI titles. Like, it's pretty good. If people don't know, he's got a bunch of MVPs, got a bunch of LPL titles. His problem, obviously, is, one, he never, ever was, like, Faker, the early portion, like, super dominant. He actually did have a couple of years of people doing the LPL where he was very good. But his style, actually, the irony is they're actually similar types of players now. They're more players who win with their brain and sort of knowing how to use the map. So I just don't think if you look at his style of play, even if he did get like the check mark, like I said, even if he won the four worlds, which no one would ever call him better than Faker. Like yeah. he never had the same crazy off the page eye test. So Zhao Hu's won. The other one's the guy who won last year, Deft. People forget he's won in China, he's won in Korea. <laughs> By the way, he's actually still really good. He could even potentially still, I mean, his problem is he's probably only going to play another year, like he says. If he went on the right team, I mean, you could argue he could have done it this year if Dan Warren had turned up. Like I could see Deft being a player actually you can argue he'd be better than Faker because he could actually also, in theory, carry from his position. Whereas Faker, in general, it's more like if you don't put pressure to carry, he can carry the odd game or the odd matchup. There's one. And then the other two is Ruler. Again, mm, he's yeah. already got a one world. He's already got an MSI. You know, he's got like half the resume. And you just look... He's the modern day like great player from that yeah. position. He could, by the way, it looks like if he wants to, he can keep stacking the deck every year like he did. He had Gen G, then he had JD. He could probably go to another mate. By the way, the joke is he could probably be on team one if he wants. And then the last name is just Scout because Scout's won worlds. He's won the LPL a bunch. Like these are all names. But you notice it, all six of my names I've given here. I wouldn't pick any of them to actually get close because, like we're saying, to even have two worlds and like. One or two MSIs would be ridiculous. This guy has, like, almost double that amount, and then the domestic championships are just... Like, 
You, I don't think people understand how crazy Faker's career is. You could forget the international titles and no one can even catch him domestically. Like, there isn't even anyone in the LPL has, like, close to that many championships in the LPL as Faker has, like, LCK titles. Like, it's actually almost impossible how, like, this... Re That's why, even though people used to say about Doublelift, I actually think it's better for Faker. Faker is the protagonist of League of Legends. If this is an anime, he's the central character, isn't he? Like, everyone else is just, at the best, some cool side character. And it even ends up, thanks how Worlds goes, like... It almost feels like you are a character in Faker's story, even when you win. It's like you, he's going to beat you two years later to make the revenge story. So, by the way, as a quick aside, if you're going to go like general esports, like one, there's the debatable angle. Like I might argue Flash was already better because I think that Korean scene was amazing. But the obvious examples would be someone like, because remember, most GOAT players in every game haven't really got like insane resume like that. The obvious example is someone like Zero, like as in he's still young enough, he could be mega for five, six years, and we're not, you know eight majors or something. It's, like, it's not impossible. The key thing I would say, though, is to stress how insane Faker's career was, is even if you do hit the actual player level, so our eye test tells you you were the best player ever, you are still going to have such an insanely difficult time getting the resume to go anywhere close. Like, it actually does beg a belief. I mean, there's, there is a whole side topic no one ever gets into, which I, would, I think would be interesting to break down sometime, which is... It, they did a fantastic job over some of the years rebuilding around Faker, I always thought. I think that's actually the part people kind of ignore. In fact, as an aside, I'd, I'd quickly say, in light of the fact we all think he's sort of the coach of the team and I and, and calls around here, I suspect he also picked some of the players, if I had to guess, you know. So I also think that's also why you're a bit fucked. You have to almost be... I would say almost like a perks level figure who just attracts great players year after year. That's why I gave Rulu's a great example because I actually do feel like that's a guy where for three or four years people are going to say, "Come and join my my also super team and play with me." Basically, so I, I don't think anyone will. The answer, the short answer is no. After all that, no one will ever match the legacy. <laughs> but by the way, on the because people forget, like relatively recently, people were saying like, "Oh, should T1 be building around Faker anymore? Like, is it even worth it anymore?" And you know how how. Uh... Yeah, how short a year can be, I guess, in that sense. But by the way, Thorin, I just wanted to ask you this, because you said, um, talking about, like, the best League of Legends play ever or whatever you think is is uh, probably rookie, right? How much do you... How much stock do you put in to sort of what I was saying earlier about, like, Faker this year and how we kind of got, I guess, like, a lot of validation about things he does outside of just, like, clicking WASD or whatever? Like, do you... How, how do you, like... Obviously, we have less visibility on th things like that when it comes to rookie. But do you give Faker added points for being a good player for that stuff versus rookie? Like his seemingly ridiculous endless impact I do impact think like, intangibles count. Like I do think they are a factor. Like if, like oh, here's the thing. If uh, this is also where how you're setting up the discussion would be my question. Because like for example, like I don't really care if, if you ask me like, who the greatest Counter Strike player is. It doesn't really matter to me if Simple was toxic. Like he shot everyone sure, in the sure. head. It's like, say about that Ronaldo one. You know when fans would score, Ronaldo, all he does is score goals. It's like when you score goals in football, it's the most broken mechanic to win the game. So like I always say the best, the reason why I think Ronaldo is the best football player ever is because I could play with a team that's shit and you could have possession 75% of the game. But if you score two goals and my guy scores three, we win the game. So like to me, that does make you the best player ever. You don't have to have the team component. I will say though, like 
there are few. The, the other thing that is quite um, appealing about the idea that there's a second half to Faker's career, which is this is why I hate people mistelling the story. You said it right on Twitter, but you're the only one who did, Rich. What makes the story awesome is that he did it two different ways. He had the first half of his career where he was simple and basically just hard carried the game, and any child could see he was the best. And spoiler, he won all the championships. Like, you're not actually someone special, you random T1 fan going, I'm a fan of Faker. Like, well, holy shit, you, you must be the craziest indie outsider of all time. No, we all were a fan of that guy. The point is, though, the last 10 years, almost, last seven years, has been him doing it with his mind. Like, actually, his hands are nowhere close to the best anymore. Like, he'll get the odd playoff. And even then, those players aren't, like, raw mechanics. It's, like, timing, decision-making, yeah. like, clutch factor. I'd even say that part's the dumbest part as well, because they did the same thing with Brady. By the end, Brady wasn't even close to what his arm used to be. It was his mind that was really great in the game. It was the clutch factor. In yeah. fact, I'll even throw this in. This is why the clutch factor confuses this conversation, though, Rich. Because in theory, a guy who plays awesome most of the game but chokes at the end of the game might actually have played a better overall game than someone who plays like shit but just clutches it at the very end. But we all know, for the story, we all say the guy who clutched it is better because that's kind of what we in the story want to appeal to. So, yeah, I think it's just one of those complicated conversations to me because I actually think there's so many angles you can go with on this. I think you said it well as well. The thing I give Faker props for is that he did it as, like sort of, a, he almost had like a second career that was different from the first one because let's be real, if he tried to play like season three, he just wouldn't win. He'd be like, he probably wouldn't even make Worlds. He'd be on like the fifth best Korean team. So I do think the other issue you're going to have is can any of these players ever do that? Because here's the thing, Rich, right? Let's imagine Knight wins the next two Worlds or MSI again next year. His real problem is, eventually, once he stops being a superstar mid laner, it's very rare that someone has done what Faker has done, of sort of like shift to almost like the supportive yeah. mid lane style. Like, So I don't think anyone could do that as well. That's the other part. Like, I'll give mad props to that. I do think to reinvent your career is very impressive. So what was the, what was the first thing you said? Though? What was the thing that you were asking about? Yeah, like in terms of him versus rookie, like, do you give him extra points? Of oh, being was the... I know, I know what I was going to yeah. say. This is also why I, I do think you can't win if you're someone like rookie, because rookie is just trying to do it like the first version of the faker career. It's just trying to be the start and carry and then win like that. There are people I do think are comparable to this. Like, if no one knows, essentially what you saw with faker now, I don't even need to see the AB testing. That's what Doinby did his whole career, if people don't know. As far as I know, he really was just calling all the times for people, telling the fucking jungler when to path. Like, that guy was doing that while in the game so there are people who've done that as well but that's also why to come all the way back to the beginning that's why Faker wins because it's like Faker had the career of rookie when he was his best and then Doinby when he's and then all together at the same time and then on top of it got every possible milestone like the actual the craziest part of Faker's career when it ends if it ends tomorrow would be this Dude, there's a world where he could have won more worlds. Yep. He could actually have like six or seven titles right now. Yep. It's actually, that's a, he already has more than anyone else will ever get. But it could have been, it actually is like the Brady one. Brady could have had a couple more, yep. obviously. Could have had like 10 or something, couldn't he? By the way, the, the really funny thing for uh, as a general esports analogy for people who don't like follow the NFL that I find hilarious, because this is how esports fans' minds work on steroids, is Brady's greatest ever game was losing oh, the, the Super Bowl. Eagles one, yes, Yeah, of where uncharacteristically, a break, he threw for over 500 yards. Oh, he threw for like a playoff yeah. record in the Super Bowl. It was clutch as fuck. But then on the final drive to win it after he thought he'd already won, it's like, oh, eventually he just sort of ran out of steam, fumbled, fumbled the ball. And no one really talks yes. about that game anymore no, no. at all, other than, oh, Nick Foles. And 
his one of his most famous wins where people are like, oh my God, Brady's so clutch, was the one yard, give it to fucking beast oh mode. God, yes. And then it gets intercepted. <laughs> and they're like, Brady, Brady does it again. Yes. Brady's done it. He's done it. It's like, yes. no, he lost that game, but he, he didn't. Did essentially, and then yes. before he but won the game, but he like, didn't. Like, remember, he was sat on the sideline there. He's like, yeah. he's playing defense. He exactly. didn't like control the guy to miss that all exactly. It shows how silly fans are in it. But that's the better game. So, you know, is what it is. Yes, I'm with you. I think uh, after all that, I I have to say my opinion. I don't think anyone can touch Faker's legacy. If anything, just pure longevity. I think he's got it. He's got it all. Like I, the one thing. I mean, I think there was a stat that I think it was on Reddit, so I haven't confirmed this, Fox. But I think they said he's simultaneously the youngest and oldest person ever lived. Yeah. Well, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. good. It's a pretty yeah. bad trivia That's line, good, isn't it? Yeah. That is a very good stat. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good. He's. Maybe you can make arguments for like his peak and stuff like that. I remember when Uzi was still knocking about. Sure. Oh, God, that makes. Yeah, he's not retired, is he? And theory yeah, like, come back, but we don't know, do we? No one knows. On yeah, uh, it's it's like, you know, there was always questions and stuff because like Uzi's peak peak was seemingly like really high and like he didn't, uh, you know, people would argue he didn't have as good teams around him and stuff like that. But you just i just don't think you can match a decade-long career and to be honest especially in an e like in esports i just don't think it's you know if we were talking about like you guys have been talking about the nfl you talked a little bit about the nba as well like a 10-year career in those sports to be honest i guess because it's a very physical thing that is that's still a long time but it's not like you know you could still get the next generation of player oh, will sure. come up and he could have a 10-year career and the generation yes. after that he'll have a 10-year career i don't think league of legends is going to have like you know three or four generations yeah, we, have, of... we don't even know if there is 10 years yeah exactly yeah so i, I just think it's 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 really insane well to quote to, to quote riot from an actual owners meeting that i had when i said what are your guys contingency plans for longevity you know do you have a roadmap to eventually release a league two or how will you update the engine and undo this forgetting their answer was we're just seeing how it goes so <laughs> and that's so, a brilliant segue actually to our uh, to our next question next topic that we're going to talk about here um, because apparently the uh, the owners of the LCS orgs, so League of Legends NA, uh, apparently there was a uh, an owners meeting with Riot, where allegedly Riot is considering downsizing the LCS from ten teams to eight teams for the upcoming LCS season. Um pretty big news honestly two teams are just going to get the axe they're just going to go i imagine this has huge ramifications for people who think they're going to have a job in like two months time and just probably maybe won't uh obviously there's still details to be released and and stuff like this so i'm going to use the word allegedly once again but it would mean you know down from 10 to 8 and uh i want to get your opinions on that just just as a whole how do you think it's going to affect the lcs uh just you know straight off the bat what do you think about the implications as i mentioned like you know people might just you know, how does it even work like people people don't know what's happening they don't know if they've got a job in two months what you know what do you think about that and uh obviously what this means the implications for the future of the lcs and league of legends as an esport especially in the west came to you first before rich so dorian tell me what you think First things first, because it's just in my nature, I have to gloat. 
I'll just say this. Remember that thing where every fan in the community and every dickhead figure who wanted to just, like, appeal to fans told me that the LCS is, like, a Marxist exploitative system whereby owners get rich by not paying out players what players deserve and what even semi-pro players should pay. Spoiler, two teams have just said, I don't even want to exist in your league anymore. Right? That implies to me, Rich, they weren't exploiting anything. They were potentially themselves maybe getting exploited in a way they didn't want to continue. Because the problem is, remember, the whole premise behind that walkout was the notion that because these teams get 3 million, it was never 3 million, by the way, the highest ever was 2.2 as far as I know, 3 million as the PA is on fucking record saying he thinks the number is, right? So the idea was you get $3 million and that if you do it right, you don't even have to spend all the 3 million. You can just sort of like get paid by Riot, as it were, to run your team. As we've seen, that's a complete fantasy that doesn't exist. And even to Teams that ran a bare bones lineup, like something like. By the way, there's a reason why EG gambled on talent. They didn't. They just cut all the good players and got rid of that like super team on paper and just got a bunch of nobodies and then basically put Kelsey there. And if you notice, that's one reason I'm even more pissed off with the whole EG thing because you're all gonna think because I like Kelsey, that's awesome. I think it's stupid as fuck that she got given a team that never had the ability to win. And even worse, in the short term, she actually did work some crazy voodoo and had them second in the league. So it made people actually think EG was wasn't like fucking up and paying no money whatsoever. So the stupid thing about that was that was just some fucking like, whoa, sh you know, misdirection. Like, oh, don't look in my left hand. What am I doing over here? Got some shiny keys. Like just misdirection. So basically to bring it all back, this just shows you why last year was the worst time ever to do all that walkout stuff because the league was on its deathbed. Like there were teams already seeing behind the scenes before that walkout, like, either this is the last year or we all have to just downsize everything and slash the budget across the board. Like, there were already some of those massive players basically being told, like, enjoy this contract because you're not getting another, like, $2 million salary next year. Like, that's that's over for everyone. It's why I pointed out on some of the insight when we had, like, a lawyer on who was talking about unionization. I said, hey, this is the reason why I find that whole, like, Marxist framing of the worker movement so disgusting, Rich. Because if it was true, then the first thing you all do as workers is unionize. But the reason I know they will never unionize is exactly because people like Doublelift would be a fool to do it because they'll never get the same salary. Like they actually benefit from the loopholes in the system now. So basically LCS couldn't have continued as it was anyway. So I actually am not surprised that this is happening. And then I'll just throw out two other factors that I do have a problem with here. The big one is this, which is I think actually this is an appalling fucking omen for the future of the LCS because the idea they might just like downsize completely it's one thing if if you just sell the slots, right? This is the... I'd already be worried if they'd sold, like, four slots in the off-season they all sold for, like, nine million. That'd already be worrying. The idea you maybe just get rid of slots and teams just choose not to field, that sounds like the whole league's almost over. Like, if no one's been following the Overwatch League story, it didn't and it collapse overnight. It was a similar thing. It was sort of like, right, and then maybe we give it, like, a different format with less game days. Mm, okay, that didn't work. Okay, what about if, like, you know, we, like, don't have to pay a payment now and you can wait a little bit up? Oh, not quite right yet. And then eventually, if you don't know, the Overwatch League now is ended it's almost over this saga it's just ending with the teams are going to accept that you know what just give us a little bit of the money back and we'll all just fuck off and say forget about it never happened right so i actually get the i have this fucking horrible feeling in my gut dude that either in like a year from now the lcs might just wrap up completely or it just uh, they get together and maybe even use this collectively as a way to make it so the costs really do go down and it just becomes like a budget league with like a fourth of the cost or something because
because the last thing I'll say is, I do think the most disturbing part of this is the people who work for the two orgs that will probably drop. Because if you are people working there, if you know how people work in esports, they don't tell you until like it matters for them. They don't give you a heads up. So there will be people there. Like I've always thought the off season in league is the grossest in esports anyway, because it always was musical chairs. That's why people end up being like like the, the real irony of that famous scenario that me and Rich talked about on our interview of the Sven Skaram one is normally that is the way it normally goes normally the player does just sign as soon as possible because of the musical chairs element and everyone's so scared of being left out when the music stops so in this scenario I've already told people in some of my shows that like NA isn't the paradise already people thought it were like I know loads of the top European players so there's no point going anymore there is no victory lap where you get paid one and a half million dollars and you go hello oh, I'm just making money that whole shit that like Jankos and the rest of them said for years, that's gone. That that world like ended a year ago, basically. So sadly, I get the feeling a whole bunch of people are going to get fucked over on this. We've already known in the URLs and in Europe, it's already going a weird angle on the off season there anyway. So I actually think the outcome of this will be, I think people will be shocked. Some big names won't have teams and probably even some talents won't have teams if the wrong coaches make the wrong choices. So this sounds bad just across the board for everyone. I can't even see what positive comes out of this. All right, you Rich, what are your takes? Yeah, I mean, the one positive or the one thing you could hypothesize is like a positive thing is like, oh, okay, well, if we go to eight teams, then the talent is more congested, like in, in those theory, eight yeah. teams, right? In theory, but there's a couple of problems here. One is that in reality, this might not be the case because, spoiler alert, almost all these teams have made the vast majority of their moves already, like at least on a verbal level, which they can't just back out of. So it could just be the case that a bunch of these players are just teamless and that some of, as Thorin said, some of the better names might actually be teamless because there just isn't enough time. Like, it, for people who don't know, there is only one position, and it's about to be confirmed, I think, in LEC, one position on one team where the roster isn't locked. Every single other position on every other team is locked. NA, they're usually a little bit slower and they have been this offseason as well, but they're getting there. There aren't loads of spa spaces for these players. So if any of these players committed to... Well, by the time this releases, it'll be out anyway. So whatever. Golden Guardians, most likely. And EG, most likely. And, you know, there's some decent players on both of those teams. Oh. They're going to be teamless or very possibly teamless. So, yeah, that, that would be like the only sort of quote-unquote positive is that, oh, well, you know, in theory, if it started from the beginning of the offseason, then you can just a talent. But going to eight teams, that, that's only, that would only have been a short-term thing anyway. Like, longer term how the NA ecosystem works and what the criticisms of that have always been is stuff like how bad solo queue is, the lack of talent in general in that space, uh, as well as, you know, high ping and all the other excuses we can throw at it. But basically, it's a region devoid of talent. It still heavily relies on importing and there aren't loads of really good resident players and they do not have a good academy system that develops players and then puts them in the big league. So with academy collapsing already as of last year it already begun collapsing teams were pulling out left right and center and they had to you know right had to get involved and you know, there was a mini compromise that's gone to shit there are now fewer teams and instead of there being more congested talent the way it's actually going to play out is just going to see less talent going to go to na in general when actually the league is decaying it's going to get worse before it gets better unless something drastic changes which i don't see how or why it would so i actually think and I said this about a year ago. I said in 18 months, I would not be surprised if the LCS did not exist anymore. And maybe part of me at the time was slightly cynical on that timeline wise. Maybe more realistically, I probably thought, ah, maybe not that, maybe three. But no, probably at this rate, as Thorin said, 
May, in 2025, will that LCS exist? That's kind of a pick'em for me at the moment. That is really not certain at all. So yeah, you'd like to think there'll be some kind of intervention to completely revitalize and have a proper roadmap or whatever about how they're going to reinvigorate the league. But as things are going right now, it is a terrible sign. And if things don't change, I think LCS will be dead in about a year's time. By the way, you said yourself, Foxtrot, that this was the most viewed event ever, supposedly, this final of Worlds. Well, you'll know mm. this because we're all in Europe. Dude, that started like 8 a.m. local time for people like yeah. Foxtrot and Rich. For me, it was 9 a.m. I remember waking up for that when I saw it on the schedule. And I did the same thing everyone does initially, where you just do the selfish entitled thing. I'm like, 9 a.m., what the fuck? But then I realized, <laughs> wait a minute. Because I, I also was checking the viewership for the other matches. That was huge. I was like, wait a minute. I actually can't complain about this. Like, as we saw there, that actually proves they put it on at the right time. Fox dropped. It was the most viewed game. The problem we're going to have eventually, I actually think for real, is look, maybe this like ERL slash national approach they're taking in Europe can do something for like invigorating live audience attendance or something. But I could see a world where this becomes reverse StarCraft, where people don't know. StarCraft exists still. It just has a Western audience and no one gives a fuck in Asia. It'll just be the opposite like maybe league of legends just becomes china and korea and then some people still play in europe and america that's it like it looks like quite frankly apparently they only need the asian audience anyway based on this finals like I, the joke is the game was shit if people don't know it wasn't even a great final it wasn't even the best two teams playing but it, apparently it's the great on paper it's like the greatest box office of all time so i can't argue with it can i that maybe that's what the game just is now sadly yeah it it, it kind of makes sense like even from from an and uh, what's the word from what I've seen? And analy, what's that word? I don't know. Analytical? No, not analytical. It's it's okay. Anecdotal. Anecdotal. Yes, thank you. Anecdotal. Word man comes up again. Um, from an anecdotal standpoint, um, it, it does seem like you know in the West, league just isn't that exciting anymore. People aren't that interested in it. Um, because I do a lot of work, kind of. I guess, boots on the ground, so to speak, with either younger people working in schools and, and universities or just... I bet no one know. ever mentions League ever, no, do Because if I ever say not. esports now, it's already ever. I hear like FIFA, Card, yeah. maybe Fortnite a few years ago. I never hear League ever now, do no, it feels like. You, oh. You've got like Valorant is, is decent. Valorant's in the one good one, Apex yes. and stuff, yeah. but not, not League of Legends. No one plays League of Legends as far as as far as it goes nowadays, like there's not really that next generation of league players. Again, all anecdotal. When I went to MSI, um, in... it's, the way that, it's the way that's the worst thing about esports, Foxtrot. It's like, I didn't choose to do this, but they have made me into some like curmudgeonly Peter Hitchens esque character <laughs> because it really is like you're saying, like, I'll be in the UK and somebody like, What are you doing? And they're like, Oh, I work on YouTube. Like, esports, what? Oh, do you see that KSI fight? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't really watch uh, KSI. Like, you know, it makes me like, <laughs> and all. Like, what the fuck? Why are you doing this to me? Honestly, it is right. If I don't think any of you two went to, to MSI in, in no. London, as you know, but it was genuinely and unironically, I'd say 80% mm. were Chinese. Oh, so really? either, okay. either they came over to watch. There's a lot of students know, as well, though, yeah. right? So I could imagine right. there's a lot or of people going. Because London, I do think, you know, is obviously a popular oh, destination for international students. So, but either way, all right. You know, they just, it wasn't, you think an event in Spain or an event in France or an event in Greece would have Spanish or French or Greek people. Right. Like that would be their opportunity to, to see a live event. And yeah, apparently the British people just 
weren't weren't that fast honestly like i i don't know it was it was a bit weird honestly considering i've i've been to different live events in the uk for for league and obviously i've never seen anything anything like it and not not to turn that into one of those old man yells at clouds he's people coming over here taking our esports audiences and stuff but just genuinely i, I just don't think the interest is there technically mox drop that's not even really a problem anyway for the event you're talking about because if you had like msi is essentially like the european championship the equivalent in football it's not the world cup but it's like a massive thing for that mm. it's supposed to be tourists to attend anyway so it's actually still quite an interesting insight that like apparently it's super it's apparently mm. chinese fans will travel and go to the event yeah, yeah. So it was the same i went to the PUBG world championships a couple of years ago when it was in berlin when i was living in berlin and it was okay. like 80% Asians there as well. So I do, I do think they just travel en masse to Fair these enough. events like way more probably, willingly than yeah. Europeans do. Yeah, but, but again, either way, it does still point to it being a big, a much bigger deal in the, in the East than the West, to be honest. I don't know. It doesn't... It's just strange. It really is strange to me. I remember even, even just a few years ago, I guess the further back you go the more this would actually be true but i remember just thinking that all these eu players and, and how eu was always just better than, than than na and that's to be fair that's kind of just been a thing up until i'd say this was right where nrg actually kind of put eu in its place but it was always that you know eu were, were better and eu was seen as more as like the grafters and na was the retirement home and people would you know not really try that hard and it wasn't weren't taking it seriously and lo and behold you get clapped on the international stage and i was just there like these guys are earning like five times the amount of money that eu players are to do five times less of the amount of work and i was like that's just the dream the dream is just to go over to na make a name for yourself enough in eu so that na wants to import you and then bam you're sorted and na it was just like that's just the dream and i always thought na was in a better spot honestly because yeah i just thought it was and then yeah, it absolutely is not. And it's so strange to see. Honestly, it does feel like we're living in the timeline of maybe the death of Western League esports. It started when CLG and TSM left. I guess I should say NA esports, but you know, CLG and TSM leaving LCS is a huge deal. Like these are. These are names that have been around for literally over 10 years. The very first World oh, Championship sure. and IEMs and whatever. You know, they were like the only teams really come like they were. Yeah. The fact that they, they're gone now is that is a new era in and of itself. And yeah, just downsizing. I don't know. It's I would say, by the way, know. that when it comes to like the player base thing, my understanding is that like especially in like Eastern Europe that and this this was definitely true as of like a year ago. I don't know if it's still true now, but I would imagine it was the player base in Europe is still growing. Like there are more monthly players or again, as of a year ago, there were more monthly players month on month than there were in previous months and years. In NA, it's been steadily declining. But I do think that in terms of like Western interest in Western League, this next year, and this, by the way, is not a good sign because, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, uh, on a different show, but th I think this off-season on paper is one of the worst I've ever seen in terms of team building in EU. But I do, I do feel like this next year is super important in terms of like because how how you project your teams will do at worlds definitely has a big impact on how much you care about the domestic side and basically what's happening is we need g2 to do really fucking well next year internationally because spoiler alert none of those other teams are going to do shit internationally but we do need that to keep interest because if you're 
if you play the whole year just to get slapped at the one tournament that sort of really, really, really matters, it's, it just feels like a waste of time, doesn't it? You start to question your investment into the whole spectacle. Whereas if you have something like a G2 2019 where you're like, wow, we're a part of the big stage, like the gravitas of all the domestic matches the next year is so much bigger because you're like, these are players who can compete at world level and let's see how they compare against these new bloods and blah, blah, blah. Like you build up story and narrative and people give a shit. Like if Korea had been eliminated entirely before the semi-final stage, so it was just four LPL teams, I do think that would have had a negative impact probably on LCK, maybe only temporarily, maybe they come back the next year. But if one team like LPL is dominating, then yeah, uh, one region, sorry, then that is going to have an impact. And if you feel you can't compete on a world level, it affects viewership. So I think this next year is fucking huge for NA and EU. I don't imagine NA will do much, but you never know. N NRG weren't a terrible team, were they, I guess? And uh, yeah, G2 basically needs to do really fucking well. Or yeah, it could be the start of a, a negative EU trajectory as well, unfortunately. It is just a bit sad as, as a league guy seeing it all happen, but... I guess you kind of expect it to happen at some point, And then when it happens, you're like, oh, it's happening. It's but like, yeah, just to, by the way, oh. just to properly stamp this, to put G, I know G2 will say, oh, look, we're the champion, world champions of scrims or whatever. Like, okay, great. I do believe that G2 were a legitimately good team who underperformed. I do believe that. But mm. look at, please look at the other teams we sent to Worlds, guys. Oh, BDS, yeah. Mad Lions. Fnatic, these teams weren't just a... a you know, a step or two below G they were dog shit. All of those teams are fucking terrible. It's actually a disgrace that those teams went to worlds. Like people would be, oh, they're players. It's a disgrace that that is the best we had to offer outside of G2. It's fucking embarrassing. Even like the years previous where we didn't really think we had a chance to win at worlds, whatever. Like if G2 were the best team, the Fnatic team we'd send would be decent. You know, you think, oh, they could probably beat a Chinese team in a best of, maybe get a good draw, whatever. There was no, no sniff of that this year. It was like, will we get out of play-ins? Oh, we're like, oh, we're really hyping up the fucking BDS versus uh, Golden Guardians matchup because that was a legitimately close matchup. It should have been on paper, right? The fact that they got smashed is whatever. And then going in, it's like, we're trying to navigate the Swiss system of like, how can Fnatic dodge all the good teams? Great, brilliant, <laughs> wonderful. Now that that's our life now, is it? How can we get our European teams to dodge all the good teams? Wonderful. So yeah. Uh, we drew NRG and still still cocked it up, didn't we? So I know I know what you mean. I do think well, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's a shitty situation, to be honest. I, I was actually I met Alban, who is G2's CEO. CEO. Yeah. Um I met him at ESI, which is, is an event in London. It was like as Worlds was going on. It was like towards the beginning of Worlds. And I spoke to him about it. And he was like, he expected, he was like, performance-wise in scrims, if we don't get into the semifinals, it's a disappointment. I expect us to get into into semifinals. Next year we'll get into finals. I know obviously he's a CEO, he's gonna hype his own team up, but he was saying that like, the only teams that beat us in scrims are Gen G and JDG. That's it. Every other team isn't from from what we've seen isn't really that good and i guess if he only really rates two other teams in the semi-finals is a decent goal i guess um but yeah i i, I guess what i'm saying is i agree like i do think they underperformed um but they, they underperform like the thing with the scrims is like when you find out the scrim thing it's an interesting tidbit and it does kind of confirm that g2 were at least decent but they're also reading way too much into those scrims yeah. like you can't like you can't post, even if they have winning records against JDG and Genji as well, you can't just say, 
therefore, if we don't do X at Worlds, it's like, bitch, they're scrims, man. I've seen really good players, like, especially it happens with really good players. They'll go 0-18 in scrims for a week, and then they'll go 3-0 in LEC. It happens all the time, because certain points of your life, you lose motivation, your girlfriend fucking dumps you, whatever, but you show up on stage, because that's what you do, and you're a good player, and you win. Like, I'm not gonna believe. I'm not gonna do a power ranking to put G2 third in the world because they were scrim gods. Like fuck off, man. Like no, but either way, like it's it's. And it, I would, by the way, I would even... I would never talk about if I'm CEO of G2. I'm not going around telling people about how good our scrims are. I think that's a bit embarrassing. I wasn't bragging honest. about it. No, I you know what I mean. I wouldn't talk about like... it. Like, you don't. It's like I say it in fighting as well, though. You don't talk about what happens in in. Uh, Sparring. sparring, you just weapon. don't. Yeah, sure. Like, why yeah. would you? Like, Except no you consider that form if you talk about like knocking someone. Yeah, else. exactly. Yeah. It's ta it's tasteless yeah. and it's tactless. It's like what you do under the lights matters. Who knocks out who or who got who in a choke in sparring is irrelevant. You shouldn't talk about it because you don't know. And the basis isn't just like you know the the pride and the dignity of fighting. It's also because people are practicing certain things. You don't know what they're going for. You try different things. Whatever. So I hate that. I think it's really tasteless. So you're not you're not a fan of. Ramash sharing his screen results. In I think I hate the cancellation thing as well because I know for I mean for people who don't know I'm aware basically of what's going on in scrims every week because I'm talking to players or, or whatever and half the time people cancel it's because it's like an emergency or whatever and to publish like these people cancelled on us two out of five times it's like unless you're going to put the context for that fuck off like brilliant you you're making and they they bragged the first the time they did it this does just sound to a casual fan like every team that cancelled is lazy essentially yes like, that's exactly. what they're gonna think mm. yeah and they like... bragged they bragged the first time they posted it they were bragging about how like three of their players had covid and they still played because g2 never right. cancelled. good job dickhead you're the team manager maybe you shouldn't make your players uh play when they have covid like what is this like fuck off <laughs> like if you're gonna post i just think whenever you post anything like that first of all by the way if you're posting scrim results you better have the other people's fucking permission Mission. If I'm practicing like a double AD bot, a whole scrim block, and then some cunt goes on Twitter and puts, we're 5 0 against JDG this week. Fuck off, man. I was playing Teemo support. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You've just, you're controlling the narrative. It's bullshit. So you better have their fucking permission before you do that. And you better not post it without context. And basically, you just better not post it. Because as I said, it's just tactless and it needs way too much context to make it interesting to me anyway. But obviously, Reddit plebs are like, oh my God, G2 must be the best team in the world. That's crazy. It's like, yeah, brilliant. Well done. Here's your trophy. Wara Trophy for G2. Scrim Kings. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's go on to our third topic there of the day. Sticking with League of Legends, actually, but I promise you guys at home, this is this is the last we'll be talking about that stinky video game. Some really cool news, actually, which I'm I'm excited for, but yeah, I don't know. I just it's almost like when you watch you drive along the motorway and there's a car on fire on the other side and you kind of just like holy shit, that's kind of cool. Um yeah, that's that's this is this is the energy that this is giving here. So apparently Reckless is gonna be playing for T1's Academy team or their challenger team in 2024. So Reckless has taken some time off of League of Legends. Uh yeah, and he swapped to support. As he's mentioned, he wants to do, and he's now got a spot with uh, with T1. So uh, basically, at 2024 Worlds, we'll see Reckless get his world skin alongside. He'll be benching Carrier because Carrier's you know nothing compared to Reckless, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be sick. Um, but anyway, yes, genuinely, Reckless is joining T1's Challenger team. Uh, he was considering European offers and stuff, but nope, wants to go to T1. I honestly just just off the off of 
right off the bat here. I think it's honestly quite quite respectable for Reckless to not have packed in and become a streamer like five years ago, right? Like this is literally the biggest brand in EU League of Legends, right? When when the uh, meta, I don't remember what year it was. I'm going to say 2017, maybe 2016. I can't remember. When the meta of bot changed and Reckless was forced to play supports, he just stopped playing right now. Basically rage quit the team for a little bit of time. Uh, the viewership went down a lot. You know, right. uh, like LEC literally schedules games so that Reckless is on prime time. Um, so he'll never be on the first game of the day. He always puts them, they always put Reckless on like fourth or fifth game of the day because that's when, you know, you get viewers, whatever. So Reckless, big name, big deal. He could be a massive streamer. He's not a streamer, he's a competitor. And uh, I think this really is the next, <laughs> next level of that. Joining T1's academy team, it's. I don't know. It's. It, I don't even know what to think of it as I'm saying it, but uh, it doesn't matter what I think. I want to hear what you guys think. So, Rich, T1 Reckless, what are your thoughts? So, I love it for a, a myriad of reasons. One, because kind of it's one of those things where it's like whatever happens, it's like blockbuster, you know? Like, sure, and again, that he's not playing for T1, the LCK team, so, you know, rein in any... You know, I, what I really don't want to see, which I know I will see, is people posting some fucking random plays from like the chat. Like that's not why this is interesting, right? It's interesting from a couple of perspectives. One, obviously it's a marketing win-win, right? Like Reckless, if there's one thing he understands, like it's self-promotion to a certain extent. Reckless already has like an agent, uh, Asian contingent of fans as it were. Mm. And him going to, or like essentially partnering up with like the biggest asian esports brand is like win-win for both sides right so that makes sense on that level but i would remind people that even given that and that would be like the cynical take right like he's only doing it for marketing this is the first big name player who has done anything like this who's decided to take himself out of his comfort zone to go and play in the east on like a huge brand in the east i think it's really cool from that perspective and even though i can be cynical about the marketing side it is still somewhat brave like this is not the easy route to go down if you're reckless. Obviously, the language barrier, like, don't get me wrong. I think there's a huge chance it's just a complete fucking disaster. And if I had to guess, I do not think he will spend the entire year on T1 as a player. I think that is unlikely. I would guess he'll either transition to a streamer at some point, or maybe he'll work something out where he's allowed to go back to EU and whatever. But I do think it's cool if it works out really well, which you kind of struggle to think how it could, because now... You know, I guess it's less likely that T1 breaks up and it's not like he's going to play for the... It's, imagine Faker and Reckless. It actually hurts my insides to imagine that Reckless would get to play with Faker. That cannot be allowed to happen on any level. But the upside, if it does happen, if the fucking one in a million happens, is mental, right? If that did come into fruition at some point, if Kyria went to play for JDG or, you know, some shit, and they're like, fuck it, let's give Reckless a chance. Even for a couple of games, that would be pretty awesome to see right so i do like it from that perspective do i think it will be successful from the playing perspective no i don't he's swedish who guy who speaks english with presumably four koreans who don't so they're gonna what tank the whole team to speak english to reckless is that what we're saying is gonna happen i guess that is what's gonna happen right because he's not gonna speak fucking korean on day one is he so yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where the more you look at it after the initial like, whoa, T1 Reckless, and actually think about it, you're like, how could this work on any level? 
But <laughs> it's still cool. I still think it takes balls to do, even if there's part of him that's just thinking marketing, self-promotion, whatever. I still think it's a cool experiment. And part of me hopes that it's successful at, at, on some level. I, I can't really stomach him playing with Faker. That's too far. That's no. But I don't know. Like, I, maybe they're already qualified for playoffs and they bring in the subs and Reckless gets to play in LCK a couple of games without, you know, Faker and Zeus a bench for a little bit. I, I, yeah, I'll root for that. I think that'd be really cool if, if we get to see a Western player playing in the top echelon of the Eastern League. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. But I think we'll see Reckless back in Europe by about April would be my guess. Cool, but ultimately not much substance it's important like this is the thing like so many people have, have, especially after thorin speaks i'd imagine will probably be like oh thorin hating on or whoever hating on reckless but let me just ask you this please try any of you who are reckless fans try and fathom an argument in your head where you can actually say truthfully that you think this will work on some level please construct that argument for me again i'm kind of rooting for it but please explain with actual real words that string a sentence what your argument is that this could work because I see no avenue to success here. Oh, and by the way, I forgot he role swapped to support, didn't he? So he's learning a new role. Brilliant. The role which arguably requires the most communication out of any role. I forgot. Throw that in there as well. Please, Reckless fans, explain to me how this would be successful. And don't say, he's really experienced and has played on a lot of teams and... Uh, if successful people find a way... Like, an actual argument, please. I'd love to hear it. Do you have one of those arguments, Thorin? No, oh, no, no. I think, this is, <laughs> I, I think this is actually a terrible move on all regards. Like, what's funny is, I'm even going to disagree with Rich, because here's the issue. I know why he thinks, like, as a novel move, it sounds cool, but it actually isn't even what it sounds like, Rich. Here's the problem. We all know over the years there were real, uh, depending on what era we're talking about, there were real offers in the past for the names like Doublelift, Froggen, Bjergsen, Forgiven. Yeah. These people had real offers to play in the LPL or the LCK. Did you just hear the last part of that sentence, guys? Not in the fucking Challenger League or in the LDL or the LSPL. No, no, like the real LPL or the real LCK, as in you would have actually seen, and by the way, like you just said, because of the role swap, at their real role, as in it wouldn't be like Bjergsen plays for like whatever Gen G Academy team is. In no, no, as in like he would have been on, not Gen G in this case, It'd probably be more like when the when Yamato went to Sandbox. It would be like you'd be on like a borderline playoff team. And it's more like, by the way, even then you're doing it for PR. But like I say, at least that is what it initially seems. You actually would play for real in the league. And if we all got up at whatever, 10 in the morning on a random Thursday, we could watch these guys play and that would be novel. Much like, you know the analogy, back in the day when people like Naniwa would be in the GSL. It was like, holy shit, this is cool. The problem is this isn't that. Like... I'll ask this question immediately. Who the fuck watches LCK Challengers? <laughs> nobody. Nobody does. None of you do. By the way, the joke is, my boy, like, LS even was fucking coaching that league. No one gave a shit. No one even knows that happened. So, one, none of us watch Challenger League. So let's stop pretending that. And then, two, even though, like you're saying, the, there is actually, sadly, because of the marketing angle, a, a greater than 0% chance that, as Rich says, if, like, someone's randomly injured in week three or, 
what, you've made the playoffs, it doesn't matter anyway. You're th- second th- there is a world where they maybe do actually just randomly insert you for one LCK game against, like, Frederick Brion or something that no one gives a shit about. But even then, it won't be like we're saying. Like, like I actually would have liked to see those players, who are all good players, you notice, play, like, for real and see, like, how would they do? You're not really going to be seeing that. You're just going to be seeing some weird circus freak show match where, essentially, it's like even everyone in the match is sort of like, ha what are we doing? This is so silly. And it won't be like a real match. So first of all, unfortunately, I would actually, by the way, if this was reckless, even at support, was joining Frederick Brion, that'd at least be hype, Rich. This isn't even that. He's just joined the Blink Challenger League. And then the other thing I'll say is this. I actually think... The only area this is good is a marketing angle. Because one thing people might not know is in Korea, they have insane wealth disparity, right? As in, you have very, very rich people, like all the people who literally are in like the Gangnam area where it's really expensive. And then you have, even in the side streets, incredible poor poverty as well. People who like really do serve you a meal for like $4 and they won't even take a tip. And that's just their world, right? So as a result, they're, they're, I've, I can tell you right now, Western luxury brands, so exactly what Reckless was fucking modeling for G2 is exactly the sort of thing that they go hard as fuck for in Korea. So I could see this actually if they sell it right. T1 could get so many marketing deals out of this within Korea itself, by the way. Like Reckless, by the way, his exact like type, like gaunt, thin model look is exactly what they'd want for the poster for like, you know, a fucking perfume brand or some sort of high-end fashion gear. Whatever. So I actually think that part could could go well. I could believe they could actually sort of get like some decent value out of that that they wouldn't have had with a Korean. The problem is for the actual game stuff, I actually think this is so bad. People don't even know. Like the joke is if he'd at least stay ADC, Rich. There's a world where you can just put an ADC in the game. I mean, let's be real. I think we'd all vote the ADC players the lowest intelligence of any fucking role in the game. It really is the hands roll. It really is just sit in the fucking lane, left and right click, and then someone else will A, like a bottler, fucking transport you through the lane, tell you when to move. Like, essentially, that's the one role I think you could actually just fucking use the mouse and they could play the game. He's not going to do that, though. And this is the part I find crazy. This is how I know no reckless fan ever actually either watched his game or understood it one of the two because if you think his game the guy who played adc like he did the most selfish adc maybe ever in european league of legends you think is going to be an awesome listen to the name of the role support player his literal job is to support someone else right i'll just give you an immediate scenario everyone just watched worlds right you know when you watch jdg missing player and he plays against like carriers ash for example his job for real is step forwards and tank the whole ash volley every time so the ruler doesn't take the ash volley right so that as a result ruler can just siesta because that's not even in his mind to do that. He's the guy stepping back going, you tank it all. Like, he's not the guy was... That's not even the way he sees League of Legends the game. And then I'll just throw this out there. It's the role that, in theory, probably requires the most fucking talking and actual shot calling. It's why everyone says correctly that people like Faker, Bjergsen, should probably all... Perks should all just roll swap to support. It's the obvious role where they'll bring all those intangibles. So we're taking a player in Reckless who never had those intangibles. We're putting him in Korea with a bunch of inexperienced Koreans so he can't even now talk to them in their native language like this has like every red flag I could ever like tag together on one deal and then as you said Rich this is the other problem 
if he'd like semi, if he'd done a Bjergsen, if he'd retired last year or this year, of the problem with the off-season is it feels like we're talking about last year. If like earlier this year, Rich, he retired like Bjergsen and the news was that he's going to come back and do this gig, that's one thing. The problem is I can't ignore, like you're pointing out, that this also sounds like quite a clever side thing you do while you're waiting for someone to go, hey, I'm going to be the team that looks clever bringing Reckless in for summer split. That's what it feels like he's waiting for. He's just waiting for the right person to give him that deal. In fact, I could even argue Rich, that after seeing what happened to him in ERLs, and sadly, no one will ever actually punish him. If people don't know, his Carmine Corp was unbelievably shit in the ERLs. They were dog shit. They weren't even like relevant some of the times in like the fucking LFL, but they won a U Masters, so every moron forgets that, of course. So all I'll say is this. I even think there's a cynical reason you do this, which is I actually think if Reckless went to ERLs as a support player, you'd never see him in LEC ever again. That would be the end of his career, because it's not ADC anymore, so he doesn't even have the old like maybe he could be like the old records. He would just be a, a modern day average support player, and then all the stories in the baggage, by the way, would follow him around. I actually think this is not a bad angle. Where I don't think there's any downside to reckless. I, I think even if he goes and plays like shit, it won't stop whatever team would consider yeah. bringing him in as a move to bring him in. I actually think it's quite a smart move. Whereas actually, I do think if he went to an ERL and played like shit, I think it would just be the end. I think it would be over for him, unfortunately. But I do agree with the central premise of what you initially said. If it was what it looked like, if it really was, it doesn't even have to be reckless, by the way. If this was Bjergsen, if Bjergsen was announced, like Bjergsen is going to play for Sandbox this year, I'd be fucking tight to would it be? That'd be fucking, that would be cool to watch, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm just no. saying, not in a single one of you guys here will ever wake up and watch Chelsea Kitchen's match. Maybe you watch a <laughs> VOD if you hear it was good. None of you watch it live. There's nobody. Don't even bullshit me and pretend you are. Come on. There's well, no way. Reckless is playing there. Everyone's no favorite European gamer, then maybe we will. I, I, yeah, I, lo I love it, honestly. And to be honest, I'm not going to write him off as a bad support just yet, although I will say that is a head scratch because I fully agree with everything you guys have said. Communication is like, you know, I can't imagine maybe Jungle is the only other role that's potentially a, a worse role to, <laughs> to, to have for, um, to have like an import in, right? Goodness gracious, like that, that seems odd. I, I don't know the logistics of how that's Isn't actually it? going to work. That does seem very peculiar, but. I, I, I wish him the best. I think it's going to be cool. And it is really like the first time that we've seen someone kind of do this. I know you've all mentioned some examples where it could it's have happened. It's illegal legends, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. And yeah, I, 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 want, to, I want to see it work. I really do. We um, didn't even mention. Uh, one oh, of by the most... way, here's the, here's the thing that is annoying, though, Rich, is you just know as well that part of this is fans do think like, Oh, what the hell? Like Faker and them? What reckless? No, Joe Marsh obviously <laughs> did, you idiot. Like, this is where I have to reinsert John. By the way, it's by the way, spoiler, there's the real downside. I actually love the narrative of Faker winning. I love Inspot's history. Yeah. Joe Marsh has not won worlds, to be fair. So, you know, shut League of Legends down. I'm done with it. Bitch. I'm, I'm on board now. So, yeah. Well, uh, for, as, as you said before, but, play, he won. He won for me, Faker's the GM of uh, of T1. I don't even Basically know. Who Joe Marsh is, so whatever. Does anyone actually, uh, if you've ever heard this guy talk on talk shows about League of Legends, you know he doesn't know anything about League of Legends, so don't give that guy any credit, not even a smidgen. Uh, the one thing we didn't even mention, by the way, that um, is also worth bringing up is for anyone who's been living under a rock and still doesn't know, Reckless, would you believe, is a bit of a diva and likes this sort of creature comfort. So the idea that this guy's plonked in the oh, middle funny. of fucking Seoul and that he's just going to be fine with like people just speaking broken English to him like every day for months on end, like 
nah. I, there's, there's, eh. Oh, I, you're right. This this reminds it does have a little bit like, you know, when LS went to Cloud9, even people who are friends of LS, like me and Monty, were like, yeah, this guy will last. Like, it has the same thing written all over it. Like, he'll yeah. be climbing the walls within a month for it. Absolutely. Of well, either way, it's uh, it's exciting nonetheless. Oh, it is. It's definitely soap opera. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really curious to see how it's all going to turn out. It should be it should be fun. But, I mean, uh, Fox I actually that's... nailed it the best of his initial car crash analogy. Really, I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just Fox like you can't can't claw your eyes away. I, I, I am going to be very curious to see how it goes. And if he does play in the LCK, if he does get like one of those kind of, I don't know, pity games or something. Hey, maybe maybe he earns his place on the LCK roster. That's obviously... <laughs> okay, yeah, but whatever. Let's say he gets on there for whatever circumstances. <laughs> That's tickled throwing. Um, the, can you imagine the viewership for that? Because be like you're, you're saying it facetiously, but you have to understand for real the kind of person who doesn't know much about League of the Game and is just a fan of Reckless the person. They do believe for real, like Foxtrot, that there's a chance that if Reckless does awesome in like a scrim or a fucking official challenger game, that he like the that like for real faker and them will be like, maybe we should give him a chance. Like they think it's like a kids' movie, you know, where he like parlays it in. Like the joke yeah. is for real in the kids' movie, he is at Worlds next year, isn't he? He's just like they bring him in when they go down 0-2 in the Swiss or something, Rich. Yes, win, wins the game against, you know, <laughs> fucking G2 and they're back. Like, but the problem with that is it's just so implausible. I wish, look, part of me like a child wishes it was, but it's not, it's, and I actually think there's like a 0.1% chance that can even happen. But the thing yeah. is, it might as well have already happened because the night, the 19-year-old, like, e-girl fa yes. manga fan art with Reckless and Faker hugging each other has already been drawn, so, you know. The amount of, by the way, the amount of fanfics this yeah. will already spawn yeah, now yeah. that are really disturbing as well. <laughs> That's one thing I have always thought as weird as an aside, by the way, guys. Right? Dude, if we even now just did a segment where we just said jokingly, let's just rank who's really good looking out of women in esports. By the way, notice I didn't say like be rude, just who's good looking? Like, who are we going to compliment? That would be considered way beyond the pale. Yeah. But if people actually described a real fanfic they wrote fantasizing about two players just fucking each other, that would be just be like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Par for the course. No problem there. Like, I've always found that whole area, that whole K pop like thing, which is like always like this course to breaking through to esports reality is so disturbing it's such a different world in it like there's mm. like that is the level of fandom where like there's a reason why me and richard always say that's like the fan i don't want i don't want the nutter stand guy which he might kill someone <laughs> said the player's bad or whatever like that feels like tsm fans are just annoying they don't actually kill you you know what i mean they're just not they're just idiots aren't they that's it k court fans the, might kill you I'm they might that's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember seeing it's the whole like you say the K-pop thing. There were, I've seen a clip where I mean the whole industry is completely fucked. But oh, bonkers, man! Someone, uh, you know, there's a K-pop star performing, and one of the their stalkers just walks on stage, grabs her by the arm, and just tries to walk off with her. Oh, Obviously, they're stopped and and whatever. Okay. It's like, what what kind of world is it? Like, what kind of world do you think? Like, they don't even they're not like trying to kidnap her. They just walk on stage, oh, grab right. her by the arm. Okay. You know, trot off in the other direction, and uh, you know it's one of those things where you're not even you're not even like worried to begin with. You're like, what, like, what's this? What's happening? Not you're not even worried for her safety because it's not there's nothing aggressive about it. It's just like, okay. well, but obviously it's scary. This person just approached her and tried to walk off with her, but it's just it's just it's bizarre. That's the only word I, I can use to describe it. Like, it's a scary scenario when you really think about it, but it, the reaction is just a bizarre world, and I I feel. K-pop is just the most, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, well, strap in for the Reckless K-Corp collabs because the they're coming. So Yeah, it's, 
It's got to be something. But uh, yeah, League of Legends, poop. it's the poop. We don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about something else, shall we? What about Counter-Strike? Counter-Strike 2, fantastic stuff. It's had its ups and downs, um, but we just want to focus on good old brass tacks of the bra brass Blast Premier Fall Finals. Uh, it starts this week. We've got FaZe Clan as uh, as the heavy favourites. No massive surprise there. Vitality, Astralis, Heroic also some other big names that might be able to take them down and challenge them but uh, that's essentially what i want to ask you who do you think can take down and challenge phase if indeed they are you know the i think i think it's fair to say they're the favorites going in but what do you think what are your predictions for the tournament and uh, any potential surprises they aren't going to be whatever just talk to me about blast premier rich hit me up yeah so i mean you said it phase are obviously like heavy favorites um i think it, obviously it's notable that um because people who don't know like neo like the 1.6 and go legend uh has already been coaching like unofficially i suppose even though he was just the coach he's now like officially signed i don't really know what that means because he was at the last three well, events uh, that they uh, won. Maybe, they, maybe they put him as like a trial or something like yeah. that i'm not sure i'm not sure what the scenario for that was but anyway apparently winning three tournaments in a row is definitely good enough to get you the job so he's now the coach um which seems to have already been like phase just seem to be on fire at the moment and seem to have grasped like, this is like this is like a lazy thing to say i guess but they do seem to have grasped like the intricacies of uh, cs2 more than other teams or faster than other teams um which i do attribute both um in some part to neo and also to carrigan because i do think when you get a new game we actually had this um way back in the day on on like pro mod when a new patch came back which like meaningfully changed like certain aspects of the game and it was all the smart teams that were like good initially right rather than like the teams of really good hands so for me if you have carrigan and neo as coach i'm not shocked that they are currently the de facto number one team i think that this will still play through in these you know still uh early periods of two so they should be the heavy favorites i think the problem with these other teams is that they're just the heart's been like torn out of most of them. I mean, it's Navi without simple. It's heroic um, after their like tumultuous recent history. Um, I did, I, and then you've got like complexity who I don't think they'll run like they ran at IEM Sydney. But I actually wanted to ask you uh, something on this though, Thorin, because what I can't understand with heroic is what's actually going on like if you actually know what's going on with like stown and jabby because obviously we know publicly what went on but uh, what i when I, when this happened even though i thought obviously it was monstrously unfair astralis up to their old tricks or whatever i thought one of two things will happen either and this is very unlikely but either they'll talk to the players and basically get them to actually extend and given the bad pr maybe the players would cave and they would just go back on the team or surely you talk to astralis and we like you know we know that you fucked up. You know that we know blah, blah, blah. But realistically, we're not going to go to court. You've been... Whatever. Give us some fucking money and take the players now. Surely those are like the only two scenarios that make any sense. But the idea that they're now just benched and they're just waiting to leave to a... Like, what the fuck's going on? How is that a scenario that's been allowed to happen? Do you know any reasoning why that would 
be the no, case. Because the, as you say, the most bizarre thing is this is the only outcome that seems to punish heroic themselves, yeah. the org, the most. Because as you say, it looks like they will eventually end up losing those two players, arguably the two best players, except that it's going to be in a protracted, drawn-out thing with Astralis. And then as, and then the other thing is, because those players mutinying made them lose Cadian, even though Cadian is playing now, like they're yeah. not going to have that either. So they're actually going to be left with nothing as far as I can tell. It is quite bizarre. Like As far as I can tell, for real, this does have the vibe of like heroic is just cutting off their nose to spite their face because I'm with you even if like that whole drama happens the ideal scenario is you just get all of them to come back and you yes. do one last run don't exactly. you and then you just say after this we sort of forget it but it actually implies like things are so bad behind the scenes you can't even like be in the same room or something stupid like that yeah but it, it, it's yeah because again they've d done half measure because they brought Cadian back and yes. it's like, what the fuck? If you're going to do that, because Cadian probably feels pretty awkward about having been the, oh, no, yes. the victim of an ultimatum. And it's like, oh, great, I'm just out. And now, oh, now you want me back. Like, he's the one who should be most aggrieved about representing Heroic. So to me, it's just wild. Like, either you're like, okay, if you think, and I think this isn't even a good scenario, but if you're like, okay, we're just fucked here. We lose either way. Let's just play the full strength team until their contracts are out because then there was no obligation yes. for them to sign new contracts anyway right oh, so no. you know then it's fair is fair it's not great but whatever but the fact that they've not done that they've not talked to Astralis or managed to come to any kind of like well give us some fucking money at least and they're not playing at all this is just ridiculous so heroic to me are there in name only for this tournament essentially um as I said I don't expect complexity even though they ran well at IEM I it's not that it was an anomaly or something like this. I just, I don't believe fully in this complexity lineup as much as I do, for example, in a vitality, which I guess has to be like the team that's most likely to damage phase. I just think they have the most firepower. Um, and I think ultimately, especially in the infancy of a game, like when you don't have all the strat, like, as I said, if you're the, the biggest brains at the party, like I think phase are, they are a step ahead of these teams. But barring that, when you haven't got to grips with, with uh, the game so much or you're not in as strong a position, I do just think that Vitality's firepower is going to be too much for the other chasing pack teams. So I think Vitality, I'd give them the second shortest odds to win. Um, but yeah, I think you just have to say uh, that it's just fate. I guess I would also... It's one of these things that people tried to say about like Man City with and without Haaland, for example. It's like sometimes Na'Vi without Simple do actually look like fairly decent but I, I don't think that's gonna be enough here at all um but yeah navi is uh, interesting to watch when simple doesn't play because i do feel like they play slightly differently and i do feel like they can still get to a good level but you're not winning this tournament without simple as navi so yeah phase are gonna win i think probably fairly handedly but i'd give vitality an outside shot do you think there's anything to be said about the difficulty of people grasping counter-strike 2 coming from CSGO. I mean, that there's been a lot of, well, you use Simple as an example. He didn't he outright say, don't play this shit video game. Mm. You know, like he's really not Mate, happy with it. The joke is Simple's doing what I did, which is I play, I waited like a week after the game came out before I touched it because I was convinced there was going to be like multiple hot fixes that were like substantive. So I didn't want to play because I was like, what's the point? Like learning a game that's not even going to exist anymore. Then nothing really changed that much. I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll play. And the spraying was just so different to me. I couldn't get to grips with it. So I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to play the game. I'm convinced, or I was, I'm less convinced now. I was like, I'm convinced that like the AK, for example, will go back to like the T recoil or whatever. And that some of these things will fundamentally change. And I was like, I'm not going to play until that happens. Because why would I learn when I have to adjust afterwards? But 
I'm now a bit less convinced that that's going to happen. But I feel like Simple may have actually thought something a little bit similar where he's like, I don't want to put loads of hours into what I believe is an unfinished game. And I think that the game will look quite a bit different, hopefully, when I come back to, to play. If he's right or not, I'd now be a bit, you know, unsure about that. But yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? And people like will clip the, you know, like the shadows on the wall on like, you know, Anubis or whatever and be like, oh, look at this. this, this. But fundamentally, the guns don't work properly as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, it's just not Counter-Strike yet. So, yeah, I, d I don't know. I, th I think crazy. it's definitely like a lot. You can't say like someone like Nico, who's like so transcendent, you're like, he'll work it out and he'll do a good job. Like, yeah, you can kind of bank on that. But when you're dealing, I mean, Magis, for example, obviously got dropped relatively recently. You don't necessarily know how much of like, these let's just call them like tier two and tier one but not the best players in the world riflers there's going to be such a varying degree of how much they're struggling with the game right in terms of pure shooting because for a lot of people they're fast learners and then they plateau for other people's they're slower steady learners and then they peak higher whatever the case is like yeah it, it's kind of a lottery if, it, if let's just put it this way this is the best way to describe it if counter-strike 3 came out tomorrow and they made a bunch of changes but no one knew and everyone went in blind it's a lottery who does well and who doesn't. And that is basically what CS2 is. We just have a little bit more visibility than we would in my example. So yeah, for sure. And that again, that's why FaZe the best, in my opinion, because they have Carrigan and they have Neo. It, it, when all else fails, big brains will prevail. So yeah, right. Well. The problem on this topic though is like to me, the both the two factors are combined. Like, I don't think the mechanics are like ridiculously different enough. Like, in general, if you look, the kinds of people who are mechanically strong in CSGO are the good players in CS2. And the ones who had like no mechanics and just had like no hands in CSGO, magically they haven't. Like the, the bizarre thing was actually complexity is the rare example of like a bunch of players sort of like massively overshooting what the expectations should be like. Normally they were a team that like couldn't even like they couldn't have sold their souls to be in a semi-final before whereas they were in a final and quite frankly they could have won the yeah, IMC the yeah. event they actually looked pretty good so aside from that I actually think the bigger problem right now is all the things that are like obvious changes like the smokes and like the way that certain things work in the game like the shadows like certain things about the lens flares and stuff because the reason why I think that's more significant than people think is it's not like every round it's affecting you but because of, if you don't know pros in games like CS hate when they don't understand the mechanic it's why it's actually why to give you league guys an example it's why actually people were still complaining about Aphelios about a year yeah. after it had been totally <laughs> balanced and it wasn't even a problem like I had friends who were ADCs who told me oh what they're actually complaining about now isn't like a broken thing it's just something you can do with the kit if you're really good on the champion and once I actually noticed that that's why I give the anecdote it made me realize oh they're right actually these are just really good players specifically already on Aphelios that's not the champions broken anymore so it's a similar scenario I think one thing that's pissing off a lot of the people who, unlike most famously Rops from FaZe and Monacy from G2, unlike the guys who sort of have gone super nerdy on CS2 from the second the beta was out and have been trying to learn and actually even find these bugs and things, those guys essentially have a feel for those things that's way better than the people who played the last CSGO tournament, CES Pro League, and then that day swapped, like, right, CS2 time. Right, you're in for a world of hurt because you are going to like we're talking about. You're the one who is going to have a scenario where you hold an angle you think works from CSGO and you don't know a shadow shows there and a guy kills you for free like what the fuck like those things adding up in a pro game and then remember we've also just put the round amount down in a match so now there's less rounds in the game and then I, I actually personally think for real 
even though it was pure happenstance, you almost couldn't have had a worse setup for the first CS2 land than it was IEM Sydney. Because what you did is you got, remember, it's basically a European game. You got loads of European players who just finished playing CSGO. A few weeks later, you have them immediately fly to fucking Australia. And in that tournament, it was possible to lose like a BO1 and a BO3 and be out of the tournament. Like that's that sounds like you're trying to make all the pros complain and say the game shit. Like you haven't even given yourself a chance on that one. So unfortunately, I, I do think the first tournaments just made some of the pros who were salty a bit more saltier or a bit bitter. And then obviously, this is where it blurs together. A lot of the things that you see, like the influencers, complete, that's just the general state of the game. That's things from like demos or how the jump mechanics work and that. So like that stuff does all need to be fixed, but it's a bit by the by. Like I do think overall, you can sort of like CSGO analyze this specific tournament blast four finals. The main problem, like, like the question set up is though, it is one of the rare times I've seen in years from now where there's a clear favorite phase and then it's actually the contenders that are lacking, like we're saying. Like, normally it's like, right, you have one or two teams that can win the tournament and then everyone else is shit. This is like, phase is the obvious team that like, odds on should win. And after that, you can go a bunch of angles for the second team at this point in time. Like, the Vitality one on paper looks good because people think about CSGO Vitality, but like, there are so many question marks on Vitality. Like, one, they don't have Makers getting off. People don't know. He's quite like a... a I would say he was like one of the defining players of their style because people will know they also lost their coach Zonic. And actually, when I looked at how Zonic made Vitality into eventually a major winning team, I think how like they changed Magus's position and role had a lot to do with them winning. So already you've lost a key piece, in my opinion. It was implied he might even have been a secondary caller, by the way. Then also, you've lost Z Zonic himself, the coach. You've got the old coach, Ekstaz, back, but people forget he was the coach when they were a French team. Yeah. So essentially, he's only worked was he were in Apex like he doesn't know any of these other guys he's no fucking now he was with them a little bit they said during like the major winning period as like sort of like a background staff but that's not the same as being a coach like this is a guy remember who was just in G2 early last year and everyone was raving that you joined G2 with an XEB and the Nico and Monacy lineup nothing happened and he just quietly went out the back door that actually worries me he's going to have to work with the international team I don't know how he's going to do so there's a question mark and then the last question mark is the one that never existed in CSGO in CSGO the one thing every Vitality lineup can say is, hey, this Zewu guy probably carried the game. He've only had one tournament for Vitality so far, and it looked a bit shit actually for Zewu. I mean, people say it's because the Orpers in general are a bit nerfed, but by the way, Zewu was half rifling at the end in CSGO, so I don't even know what's happened with that myself. I am assuming, by the way, like Rich says about Nico, I'm assuming people like Simple, Nico, Zewu, if they put their heads down and actually try the game, they'll eventually get good. It's all like they're almost too talented at this type of game not to be like at least good. But that point is. There's a uh, if you add all those question marks, suddenly Vitality's not like an obvious one next to FaZe Clan. So I have to say, I'm actually going to say Vitality on paper should do it. Just I have no idea, sight unseen, how this five-man lineup will work. The other two names for me is Cloud9 and Na'Vi. Cloud9's problem is they've just lost Shiro, their AWPer, so they're essentially working without a primary AWPer. I have no idea how that works, but you just look at the raw talent. There's a lot of talented players on that team. They could fuck around and trip over and win. And then the obvious one to me is Na'Vi. Essentially, I do think the wonderful guy will be good. The problem is he hasn't got the same experience level Simple does, but he is a Ukrainian AWPer who knows how to play the role. I think there's an off chance they can actually fuck around and win it. But I would say, to bring it all back, as boring as it is, it should be FaZe Clan who wins the tournament right now. All signs say yes. All roads lead to, to FaZe Clan. As, just as a, a quick kind of summary, I guess, for this, this topic here before we round things off. Just kind of touching back to what I the question I asked before and, and what Rich said too. Um, 
lots of different mechanics, whatever. And people who are really like nerdy about it and really studying the changes and really into it, they're the ones that are thriving, kind of unsurprisingly, I guess. And the people who just want to click heads, they're the ones who are who are struggling. Um, Rich, you said that you know you didn't get super into the game because you wanted to wait until Valve fixed things, and now you're kind of thinking actually maybe these are just features of CS2. Yeah, it's not a bug, it's you... a feature. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like, do you generally think maybe this is, I'm just, I'm just curious which road it's more going down. Is it going more down the valve is going to keep things this way and you just got to like, you know, learn, relearn essentially how to play this new game. Or do you think actually there are going to be changes? Cause I do, I do remember when CSGO was released, I was a big CS player back then going from source to go. Everyone hated go. Everyone hated it. And of course, CS is one of those purist games where people aren't going to like change regardless. But Go but was they did do fixes. Go was bad on release as well though. Like people forget mm. like Go became a very polished game. Like Counter-Strike's always had flaws obviously, but Go was like a very polished game, became a very polished game for what it was. But Go was bad on release. And yes. the thing is, what I would say that people forget, sort of maybe myself included when I made my decision is also CS is the same, CS2 is the same in terms of like first bullet accuracy for example with most like aside from like the orp tracking thing and stuff like that like generally speaking with most guns it's sort of the same and 1.6 did not play exactly like go in terms of gun mechanics source did not play exactly like going so it was probably silly and unreasonable for me to think like oh well they'll just fix the spray patterns and make duplicate them up or whatever because they haven't actually ever really done that with previous iterations of the game i just like I feel that probably because I felt CS2 is essentially just CSGO, like, the 2.0 rather than actually being meaningfully different, that they would keep the gun mechanics, like, pretty identical. But actually, yeah, there's not really been any indication that they're going to change anything. So I don't think there's really much point it in... Yeah, if if you're like me and you're wondering if you're going to, you know, not play now and play later, there's probably no actual gun play benefit to doing that. I don't think things will meaningfully change, bar maybe the orb, because obviously Valve, for whatever reason, has found it really hard to balance the orb for some reason, yeah. even though it's really obvious what you have to change. So that will probably change. Things like the AK and the M4, for some reason, I really struggle with the silence M4 on, I don't know why, it's just a feel thing. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Those things will probably not change. Um, the only things that will change will be like, if they release new guns or they want to change the economy balance or something like that. But the the raw mechanics are probably there to stay now um so yeah oh i guess the hitboxes as well they might do something like that because you still do get some weird bugs with like the crouching hitbox and you know people have tested the shit out of it you'll see tiktok clips all the time of like their friend is crouching and the orbs like bullets just going straight through his head or whatever that will probably get fixed as well but it still doesn't change how you play the game anyway spoiler alert aim for the head <laughs> so yeah i think uh yeah it probably won't change and i mean it's it's a cliche, but adapt or die. Like you don't, as a player as well, knowing that the new game's coming out, you don't particularly have a right to say like, oh, well, this isn't like the old game. So I demand that you make it like the old game. It's like, no, it's the same for everyone. So get over it, I guess. Fair enough. It's, uh, there's not really anything else for us to talk about today. We've, we've not had on enough for uh, one more beautiful episode of Side Slate. Is there anything you guys want to add to, to things? To cap off some things about League of Legends, Faker, the LCS, or... Or blast, or are you all good? Originally, I was gonna have a, as this uh, as a topic a sort of eulogy for Overwatch League, but then I realised I just didn't really care mm. at all. So that oh, got yeah. ditched. 
Yeah, that got that got <laughs> struck from the <laughs> schedule. Just realised just really didn't care that much. Just looking at bit. Uh, by the way, not to you know call anyone out because it's whatever. If you put if you put yourself enough of yourself mm. into anything, you're going to be emotional about it. But I did find that video where they're all like saying goodbye to Overwatch League really bizarre because I was like, this is like fucking waving goodbye to a turd you just took in the toilet before you go off to all like, who gives a fuck man like worthless product see you later who cares should be celebrating if anything so mm. do you know if there's anything else planned for overwatch to, uh, well they're doing an, i think they're going to do an open circuit aren't they yeah it was sort of yeah. implied that it might be a bit like what happened in starcraft 2 where when blizzard just stopped supporting it like esl was allowed to come along and choose to like mm. be the third party person who took up the mantle so i think they were trying to imply that if someone wants to do that they'll be allowed to but who knows who that will be because if you notice some of the teams did say like some of them even imply they might stick around in some like other capacity but the problem with that is obviously it won't be like an overwatch league team which had millions of dollars so who knows what that means it sounds like there's people who are going to play the game, though. They should be able to play yeah. the game to some degree. Well, for all of the dozens of Overwatch fans, hopefully they find a peaceful resolution to the death of, of their beloved league. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about today. That's everything all, all wrapped up and finished. League of Legends now has its, gosh, what is it? Two-month, three-month hiatus before things get cool. But honestly, there's, some, there's going to be some big changes coming to league so I, i'm very interested to see how that affects the, uh, the pro scene on the on the startup of everything again in a few months time but thank you very much guys for being here and lending us your big brain insights and thank you at home for watching as always we'll see you next time